Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following podcast is brought to you exclusively by the Arad Rob Radio Network. He's a member of Wrestling Royalty. His repertoire and skills in the ring are unmatched. He's always been loyal, trustworthy, and has a work ethic that is unparalleled. He's been bashed by his peers, by the media, and even by the fans. But he's living proof that our worst days do not define us, and neither can other people. Welcome to Rebuilding the Foundation with Teddy Hart. Hey guys, welcome back to Rebuilding the Foundation with Teddy Hart. This is episode number seven, and I'm your host, Rad Rob, Rob Francois, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, the incomparable, Mr. Teddy Hart. Good evening, sir. How are you, my friend? Thanks for the wonderful introduction and uh, consistency with this podcast. I'm sorry to my fans out there, just we've been doing a lot of stuff and traveling, and now I'm relocated to Tampa, uh, spending some more time with my sister, potentially maybe uh, with my family, I'm not sure. What's going on with my uh, comeback wrestling wise? I, again, like I said, I'm training just to get in shape more than anything right now and uh, trying to find out a little more about peptides and a few of these products that my friends in Canada have been working on. I haven't been home in six and a half years, like I say, except for once for a show. So I have a lot of friends that have been working on uh, peptides and different supplements and uh, DNA testing. And so I'm interested, very excited about getting my DNA tested and to find out what I should really be eating. Uh, that's something I'm working on. And then uh, got a few other projects that are come, maybe coming to fruition with my clothing line, working on finally getting a factory in, uh, in Houston that can make the stuff basically cut to sew so I can take orders one at a time and I don't have to have a huge inventory of uh, stuff sitting there besides just what I need uh, and the fabric that I want to buy personally for myself. The rest will be stuff that fans can order or our customers can order, and then uh, I will have that basically shipped to my company, and I will make that uh, right after they they set up their orders. So hopefully that's something I've been wanting to do for years, but it was so hard to get stuff done in India and uh, China. I already do one by one by one with the ladies that I was working with. They're so busy anyway, so getting one outfit a week from them is a lot uh, for, my, for myself, let alone to try to do three or four orders a week. Like I said, my, my uh, goal is not to do – you know, it's not huge. My expectations are like the podcast. Uh, if I can sell, if I can get a hundred people on the podcast to listen to it every, every week and people have a good time and I get some friends out of it or a relationship start or continue to grow that I'm happy. Uh, 
just want to shout out to Drake that he's, uh, I know there's, uh, he had an injury recently and during my prayers, my friend, and I know how dangerous it is coming back. That's the risk poor Shane McMahon had just happened to him recently when he go back after a few years of being off. Um, and hats off to the guys that do come back and they're able to, to have these great matches. I thought Edge did a tremendous job when he came back uh, having matches that I did better than he ever had before, I thought yeah. for sure. Uh, way more technical and uh, reminded me kind of like a Benoit Jericho cross almost. He got he was really the best of both of them. And I, I hadn't seen, I didn't know Edge was that good. I knew he was good, but I didn't know he was that good. I consider some of those matches, uh, one of Randy Orton, I think, and him one another one with AJ Styles. Both those were, were tremendous. So just out there to guys that are trying to make the comeback again, this is a story about life and uh, hardships and suffering and adversity and, and not and not finding, uh, I mean, finding a way to, to never give up and to stay positive. So just to, to Drake out there, please, you're in my prayers. And hopefully you guys can, uh, if it's possible, I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know, like I say, just whatever prayers worth to everybody out there that this is the most important time uh, for fans and friends of him to get behind him and let him know how much we love him and that we're concerned. Sorry, my uh, sister, she doesn't realize what a podcast is, I don't think. <laughs> uh, yeah, Drake Younger, uh, a.k.a. Drake Wirtz, was injured in the King of the Death Match tournament at XPW California 2. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, he wrestled four matches in one night. Uh, ended up breaking his back. He had third, three vertebrates broken in his back. Had to have emergency surgery uh, a day or two later because he just he couldn't move. And, uh, you know, the first day, you never know, right? It's just, you know, bumps and, and just normal. Be like, yeah, all right, my back's a little sore, whatever. It'll go away. But it didn't go away. So uh, he's out of work. He's got a meal train started for him. Um, you know, follow him on Facebook uh, under Drake Wirtz and, uh, you know, support his family uh, find the link for the uh, the meal train and which is kind of like a GoFundMe thing. You can donate money or food or whatever. So they got twins coming up on the way here in a few couple you know a couple of months. So he's in a bad spot. But uh, thank you for mentioning that, Ted. It's uh, yeah. he's CZW Hall of Famer. Uh, he's in the best shape of his life and having a lot of fun with Rob Black and XPW and. It's just one of those things, you know, could have been wear and tear, could have been just a, uh, just a bad bump. I mean, I'm more in the line, the fact that it was just years of abuse and, and bumps. So you just, you never know when your bump card's going to be up and you're going to get hurt. It's just, uh, it's really unfortunate. He was in the, he was in a good spot, man. He was really doing fantastic work for XPW. Yeah, I was, I was uh, thinking again, very difficult for me to get work and to try to make a comeback. I was kind of excited about trying to work something out, maybe have him come to Canada or maybe him and Jasmine come to Canada and do something uh, for one of the groups I'm working with up there potentially, and then try to get back and see if there would be an opportunity with someone like Rob Black, if a couple of people maybe were, uh, were vouching for me. I don't know how that whole thing situation works. Like I say, I've never met him uh, personally. I mean, if I have, it was, it was very briefly. Yeah. Um, do so, you, uh, do you still, are you still in contact with Court Bauer at all? Or I mean, did you yeah, kind of leave I, on good, good terms there? I never left on any terms. It was one of those ones where they had gotten spooked by anonymous phone calls to people in Tampa yep. and someone was calling MLW and right when I started to get the push, um, you know, to, to, to my fault, I did miss a show because I had lost, and this is my, again, stupidity, but I had lost my passport, um, 
And it was terrible timing because they were giving me a big push and I was supposed to go to Mexico and I had no permission to go to Mexico from my probation anyway. They had not cleared me to go. I had asked for permission and they had never got back to me. So I was just going to try to go anyway. But uh, in retrospect, maybe, you know, it would have been really bad if I had gone and something had happened because it would have violated my probation with a travel violation of that level or that capacity. It may have put me, it may have completely actually fucked me. So I ended up not being able to make that show, and that was that was that was really bad uh, for what I think the history or the reputation that I had uh, created. Again, some of it with uh, people don't realize the amount of work that it takes from travel with Canada to the states, and then with being uh, on probation for six years. And during my comeback when I was wrestling, some of my uh, bigger matches are that was stuff I was on probation with an ankle monitor, some of it. And just the, the amount of work and time uh, wasn't understood when I missed a show or I was late or had a problem because of travel. Um, so just that, that was something that kind of fucked me a little bit. And then I did a few more shows after that for them. And then we had the show in Chicago and there was a discrepancy about doing the show in Dallas for another company. And Harry was going to make the show and I was going to do a tag with Harry and they didn't want me to do the show before the big show because that was their pay-per-view and that was their first pay-per-view ever they had, I think, with MLW and I was their main event with Austin Aries. So they, they said, please, if you could not do that show, of course, there was no compensation to miss the show, which was fine. I, I was really happy they were giving me a push and uh, it meant a lot more in the long, long scheme plan with me uh, getting a, a push and then maintaining credibility and with that company having a little bit of power and legs and friends in, in higher places, there was a, a really good opportunity for me to, to get some ground, some traction, some consistency. And the fact that I had one belt at the time, I think we had uh, two belts before that, you know, I had both belts at the same time for a little while. And then I had lost the tag titles, I think with MJF and uh, to MJF and to uh, holiday. And both those, like I say, the, to me, the, the quality of matches and stuff we we're doing was all really good. Everybody seemed happy, uh, apart from, like I say, that one thing. But there was no other reports, and I had had some good stuff where they had gone on record of uh, saying how good I was doing and how happy they were to have me in the company and that they were uh, – the projections that they had made with T-shirt sales turned out to be true, that I had ended up selling more shirts than anybody else yep. uh, in the company. and that. So I was excited about all these things, and it seemed to be uh, – this might have been the first time where – uh, people that weren't fans of mine were starting to see that I was able to to rebuild my life and my credibility, and people were getting behind me on a major level. MLW, I think, was still uh, a big deal for for what I could, you know, my aspirations and real re- reality or realistic. Uh, we'll say goals that are attainable. That was a big goal for me. Was just to get back on local or not, you know, local TV or if it's American TV to be on a network was big though. To be a champion of a company was huge to have two belts and to be able to wrestle some of the guys I got to wrestle. I got to wrestle Morris in there. He was fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, and that's wrestle Pentagon. Uh, I got to wrestle Phoenix. Both those guys are obviously some of the best in the world. And, uh, even just those three matches, I had a bunch of other matches. Obviously, I had a, match, a really good match with Austin Aries, but most of the matches I had uh, and the tag stuff I did with Harry was was top notch, and um, it was it felt really good for me to be able to to sink my teeth into something and to be able to think that once this probation was up, I had a company that was going to be behind me, and um, that whole thing got really it got weird with uh, people. Somebody really going out of their way. I think it was her sister. 
uh, Samantha Fiddler's sister and uh, maybe one or two of their friends, but they were really going hard, uh, calling people anonymously and trying to get these stories uh, concocted or rumors about that I was going to be charged, that I was under investigation, that I was about to be charged, and that uh, over this girl going missing, none of it was true at all. They just spooked him. And MLW said, listen, at this time, you know, we're, uh, we're apprehensive with getting you, getting you going in this direction with you, and we want to basically give you some time off but keep you under contract. And I said, no, absolutely, absolutely not. If you guys are not going to use me, then don't keep me under contract. There's no point. I'll uh, just, I'd like to get my release. And then um, they just kind of sat around, and then I lost the belt to uh, Myron Reed. And then they, uh, again, so down the road, and this didn't happen right away, but down the road they tried to set up some kind of heat with Myron that I was upset losing to him. And I had the only question I had was, why bring me all the way? Why do the big pay-per-view and the big push and, tell me we're going to do a, a run with the title, uh, with the light heavyweight title for a while longer still, and then quickly change their mind and want to drop the title the next week after I just relocated to Tampa or, I, or just, just relocated to Orlando. So that I got that, and I, so I agreed. That was fine. They were going to have the fire thrown in my face, and uh, ended up doing it kind of far away, the Sheik, and uh, actually got in my eye and fucked my vision up a little bit. And I told them, I said, you guys, I ended up getting hurt on this stupid stunt. Uh, you know, which I appreciate you guys making me look good and I didn't have to get pinned, you know, with, but at the same time, um, you know, we've just completely gone sideways with the plan. And uh, I think you guys are bailing out on this thing way too early and without, without any sufficient proof from anybody in law enforcement that cares because this is all bullshit. And uh, they fell for it. And that cost me a great relationship with court and Conan and MSL. And uh, I don't think Harry's, been in a position to really say much since maybe, you know, maybe this next couple months, uh, if I could get back to Calgary and do a show or two in Calgary, uh, and you know, just, I would hope to God that Conan would take a phone call. He's responded to a few of my texts, which I was happy about and, uh, always happy to just even get a little feedback from him. He was one of my best friends and he helped me through some dark times and this was not a dark times for me. These were things I'd gone through, but through some of the really fucked up shit I've been through, he was there and he got behind me and he helped me get out of it. And now it's like, I did all the work to get to this point where I was free and clear and I could do all these big things with my life again. And then everything was taken away from me for something I never did at all. Yeah. You know, and, that's, I know. and that's all I've ever said was if I did something, like I say, I, I paid dearly for it. I lost my life. I lost my freedom. I lost, uh, you know, my, all my animals, everything I've ever had. I worked hard, really hard for and, uh, been through, the absolute fucking grinder for uh, sexual assault charges that were never, never backed up with any evidence. And then obviously beaten in court with the judge and lawyer as I can do nothing, but what the law allows me to do, which is defend myself in court with the lawyer paid for. And if it's bullshit, then I get uh, acquitted and everybody should be happy. And then that'd be the same celebration that went into killing my career or to making it sound like I was such a uh, maniac. These are not, like I say, these are not nice things. These are not nice charges. A girl going missing and uh, supposedly confinement and uh, sexual assault charges from two women that are just like out there. No one knew this. No one knew the background story of it until it was it was already obviously in the papers. And just again, uh, wish it would have been the same that went to the, the same attention and focus that went on trying to bury me. If you couldn't, then give it back to me as publicity in the other direction of then tell them what happened. And th- this is what the mistake was. And sh- shit turns out uh, not guilty whatsoever. And that I'm allowed to then try to rebuild my life. But I, I guess I came back to a situation where I created 
some bad stuff for myself and uh, went to jail for it and paid my paid my fines and paid my my lawyer bills and went went to a year almost I think a two year program online three days a week for two hours a night every single you know for a, a DUI class online and again again I with an ankle monitor for three years of my life I wasn't able to take a bath you know I wasn't able to go swimming or to jacuzzi every match I, that I did have I would have to then wrap my leg with a bunch of stuff and pray to God that the ankle monitor doesn't come off it came off in one match and I literally had to call a bunch of people and get video footage of the ankle monitor falling off because it was on video and the probation officer was that smart she said send me a video if you're wrestling it should be easier for you to get a video and have someone said thank God we were doing a customs and it wasn't an actual match match because I wouldn't have been able to get the footage of it actually falling off from a match until a few days later because right. it wouldn't have been yet but they had it right there so they were able to cut it send it to me and I was able to then send it to my probation officer otherwise they would send someone based on where my location was well, you know, they would send up an officer to come grab me and they'd just put me in jail and I'd have to wait in Florida until it was shipped back to Texas for an ankle monitor violation, which would have been completely bogus doing my job is the only way I can make money. So, uh, you know, all the stuff that went into me getting uh, my life back on track, I just wanted a chance to, to, to see if that was a possibility. And I felt like I got that completely robbed from me. Uh, and a few of the things that came out of that was I met you and uh, I, a sure. lot of the guys, I met Jasmine again and, um, some people came and they said, you know, things are shitty right now, but they will get better. And you just have to keep praying. And, uh, this motivated me to put, to put my life back into, uh, a documentary and to tell my story and to think that it would be interesting enough for a major market of people on a world scale to understand about uh, suffering and to have your dreams ripped away from you, but to still be a good person and to still be happy. And it's not a cheesy bullshit talk it's that i'm still walking proof that i have never been injured in my career i'm not saying because i'm such a good person but i would like to think that it has to do something to do with a few things in life and wear and tear is one thing getting back in the ring you've been injured because of wear and tear i understand that but i i've done this for 24 years of my career i did some of the most dangerous stuff you could do without a hardcore match type of thing without a weapon or a you know what I mean? That I didn't right. table, but I, for what I could do safely on a consistent level for 24 years of my life and had one little injury, uh, and, and one serious injury, like I say, and the little injury, like I say, well, we'll say that would be like a, a small broken finger or like a, something like that. And I can't even say that it was a broken finger, so to speak, just like, but little nicks and cuts over the years, like, you know, th- those would be considered small injuries, but I was always able to get on the airplane and get back to where I was, except for, like I say, the one time with the broken leg and ruptured Achilles tendon and broken ankle. And I was back from that after two and a half months, supposed to be out for eight months to a year. And again, these are things that I wanted to be able to document and talk about uh, from a standpoint of a coach or a motivational speaker or uh, an ex, an athlete or a black belt coaching a, a whole group of kids that have come up now watching what I did and that I completely changed what the wrestling business was required to do to be entertaining. And that, that way that kept us online with uh, and the progression of the athletes, the innovation that kept us on track with being able to compete with MMA on a level now where wrestling is back on a market and the guys are good enough. And the AEW made a whole fucking show basically of light heavyweight wrestlers and light heavyweight wrestling. And yeah, they have a lot of big guys still too, for sure. But uh, they really put a, an emphasis on the lighter, smaller guys being entertaining. Yep. And uh, I think that's been f- f- fucking huge. And congratulations again. And uh, but again, to me, my my bo- my 
my job and importance or feeling of motivation or feeling of that I mattered in wrestling was that I had great matches with a lot of these guys. And I think they saw what I did and that made them think along those lines of what entertainment was and what risk was and what you could do as a human and get away with as a, as a, as a measuring stick. And I think those are things that I should be proud of. And that's what I motivated myself on to get up every morning and to try to, to tell guys like uh, Drake that fuck man, don't, don't, don't like, don't feel like that. I know how you're feeling right now. It's why the fuck did it ever come? Because it's your it's your dream and your passion, and yes. nothing's worse than feeling like you're getting old and you're and you're losing out on the few the few last years of your of your good years to get back in the ring and to make a difference and to have some fun and to feel to feel like you had a purpose. And those are things that are fucking crucial when you're sad, when you're sad and depressed and you're getting older and you've given up on wrestling before you maybe wanted to or that things happened uh, fiscally, financially that you had to to take wrestling and put it into a a back a, a background or a backwater situation uh, until life uh, you know got better and then you're not able to go back to your actual life that was allowing you to make the comeback with wrestling which is what's happened here now with him that's that's why for me it's such a it's, it's a touchy subject wanting to get back in the ring and to be able to get back in the ring and to do a lot of cool stuff or if there's a purpose is there a reason and with the documentary that I'm doing be about trying to find that purpose or is it just the reason it's just the purpose of being here and alive and accountable and healthy and trying to pass that information on to a whole group of, of fans and friends and people on earth that need to be healthy. And here's a way for me uh, to, to basically do a science experiment on testosterone therapy at a 40, like I say, at 40 years old now I'm 43, but to see how all these things work, without having to get back in the ring and risk getting hurt. My job's more to get back in life and to get back in the gym and to get back into meditation, get back into yoga, get back into stretching. Like this is my first week next week of doing hot yoga. Nice. I'm trying to start doing hot yoga again and then really cleaning up my diet. Not that I was, but I was really fast fasting for the last three weeks, just one meal a day, basically just to get my system clean, to lose some extra weight and then to try to get a real clean diet and to see uh, again, the results of all these wonderful science types of uh we'll say not experiments because i think they've been proven but all these theories that have now been sort of tried and tested and to put all this information into uh into uh i guess we'll say into a big pot and then to put it all into and then see how this this new flavor of this new soup tastes which is all these you know different bits of information put into this and then to see uh what what really makes what, what, what do you recover the fastest from and what, what, how much is too much testosterone a week to be taking and what's a good diet for us? Is it, you know, based on your DNA now, cause we have ways of finding out things that I, I didn't know about 10 years ago or that my dad, like I say, information with, uh, with getting sick for like diabetes or with uh, obesity or with cancer or with uh, Alzheimer's, different things. We have different patients that we've been doing studies on. I have been watching and sitting there with a big smile on my face with all these advancements thinking, shit, at 40, whenever this probation ends, when I get back in the ring, I have all this stuff I'm going to put into the Teddy Hart character. And I think, you know, by the time I'm 42, 43, this will be the absolute best I've ever looked in my life. I'll be able to go back to gymnastics. I'll be able to learn some new moves. I'll be able to, to take my, my, uh, the fact that I'm in this type of shape and make, make us count because now I have this, you know, another three to five year window from 40 to 45 where I can do maybe two MMA matches. I can do a, a couple pro boxing matches at a level where people are watching me train and going, Holy shit, this guy is in incredible shape. His hand speed is phenomenal. He was one of the best athletes before in wrestling. And we had no idea at 40 we could, but then a year is another year pass and another year an right. extension 
probation. It's like, fuck. But I'm still trying to remember those dreams or those goals or, or what was keeping me, what was keeping me going for the six years that I had where I was doing well. And that was the, the that was the theme the, in my mind of looking in the mirror and seeing this character, which was a guy that had been through so much shit that never quit. That was just like a fucking, he was a beast. He was a machine and he never fucking said nothing. He didn't cry much about anything. He just took the shots he took and realized that God must have a plan because I should have been in a wheelchair dead so many years ago yeah. from everything I've been through. That why, why do you even have me here then? There must be some reason for this. And I've been through so much that I, I asked God, I'm like, and he says to me, or the voice says to me that I hear is patience and put in the work and that there's people watching that you don't even realize. And this is where you're getting your, your credibility back is just even by doing a podcast and being alert and being aware and letting people know what you're thinking about and what you're doing and that they're, uh, that they they're out there and they do want to see you come back and there's more fans I get more and more fans and friends and people or friends of fans or whatever that are able to contact me through some roundabout way because of this podcast mm-hmm. and again I feel bad because I have the Twitter on Twitter and I've never been able to even get my own Twitter account back on track you know yeah I know so and I, we won't name names but there's a former promoter that kind of screwed you over on that deal so yeah, I just hope that I would hope that he uh, maybe we could find a way of of getting that back on track. Like I say, another one of the little things I have some goals, like I say, guys with uh, the fact that we got taken up, taken off YouTube for an episode or two. And then we got put back on. I thought that was, that was really uh, cool. And it was for whatever reason, I got attacked and taken off. Thank God that they really looked at it and realized again, I'm not saying anything to try to be a prick. I, I'm not talking. Well, shit to anybody uh, boys, but we, we didn't do anything wrong. Honestly. I mean, like I talked about before, Drake and I got dinged on our show for, you know, talking about the pandemic and all that and vaccines and stuff. And, you know, Google and YouTube were blocking stuff like that. But I mean, on this show, we never talked about anything uh, that was, that was bad. We, we never uh, advertise anything or, you know, we never sponsor anything or, or said we were being sponsored by something, which is kind of what we got taken off for. And it's just somebody probably complained, somebody that probably doesn't like you. And, you know, I, I did some digging and, and I had, you know, it took me a few weeks to, to, bounce around through different loopholes and different, you know, having to contact them and over and over and over again until somebody finally reviewed it and decided that we did nothing wrong. And, and we got reinstated, which honestly, I told you before, once you get canceled like that, uh, you know, deleted on YouTube, you don't ever get it back. So the fact that I wasn't able to get it back was a miracle in itself. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's good to be back because you do have a lot of fans and I do want to read an email uh, from Sean Ricard, uh, who, uh, again, emailed us at rebuilding the foundation podcast at gmail.com. Uh, Sean wrote, I've been a wrestling fan since the golden age of wrestling as a young child, been a huge fan of Teddy Hart. I'm so interested to get involved in the business and get Teddy Hart back into the limelight, make him the superstar he deserves to be. So I'm asking you, how can I help promote him and this podcast, get some positive promotion and great stuff for Teddy the podcast and him in the business. So please let me know again. That's from Sean Ricard. So thank you very much for that, Sean. And, you know, I, I come across a lot of people, whether it's on, you know, YouTube comments on our threads or whatever, uh, of people that just love Teddy Hart, love your style, love your business. Obviously, uh, uh, there's a passion for the Hart family that people love your family. Um, and it's just another example of for all your detractors, you still have double the fans. Uh, even if you never had a huge run, you know, you were never a giant superstar. Obviously you're the king of the Indies, but I mean, a lot of people wouldn't know you from WWE unless they 
had seen you back when you were, you know, 17, 18. But the fact that you still have this major fan base and no real prominent run in a big company just shows uh, how good you really are and how, how much people like your, uh, your athleticism and your style, your composure, and the way you do business. Yeah, I was, uh, years ago, I, I took it very seriously to be kind to every fan that ever came across uh, my path outside the ring. Yeah. And so I'm wearing, uh, I'm wearing all these flashy outfits as a, as a spider web to catch you to come up to me and we talk about life and wrestling and God and, and how you can look someone in the eye from a stranger standpoint and give them love and compassion and f- feel like I say a blessing that they came up to you out of everything that's going on in the world. And they wanted to come up and they're curious. And I said, curiosity is an important thing to talk about. And it builds things. If you're curious about something, you want to see how it's going to turn out. I was curious, like I say, to see if I had some fans out there and how this would go. And just to put a message out there of love and uh, peace and trust. And no matter how bad the shit gets, this is back when I was with Maria and I was going to jail and I was facing an extra 10 years in jail. And I'm still preaching the same thing. I've been saying the same thing for a long time that Teddy Hart, the character was misunderstood with Teddy Hart, the guy on the street, completely different person, uh, very very kind, humble, and understanding, and generous, and I tried to maintain these values for uh, 25 years because those are things my grandfather instilled in me, and I watched him do that to uh, a whole bunch of people all over the planet, and I heard about those stories passed on to me for years, and that's what made him such a wonderful person, and so world-renowned and respected, and those are things I thought would be important to pass on to, to anyone that I was able to be blessed with having company. Company, again, being alone sucks. And when you have company and I was able to have a lot of different people come through my life and uh, a lot of different friends that ended up doing big things in wrestling that are too busy now not to be uh, bothered with my shit. But if I was in a spot and I was doing well uh, running, say, like a promotion or I was doing something where I could bring some of these guys that were big stars that are now running a, a little lower uh, lower schedule or slower schedule or doing less, but they're still, ha- they're still able to be booked uh, to get them back and to have you know, uh, the memories like I got to bring in Scott Steiner for a show and that was so cool. I really had a great time talking to him about life. It took a few hours for him to warm up to me and uh, <laughs> Nash I brought in. He was fucking awesome. Godfather I brought in. And like, that's why I met Kevin Nash. We came real close with him and we became very close friends. I brought him in probably three or four times, I think maybe five times total. And he was the first guy to volunteer to do the seven o'clock in the morning show. And he had to get up at seven in the morning, wasn't paid any extra to do it and went on and did a huge radio show for us and a big TV morning spot for our big promotion that was coming up that, uh, that night. And those are things you just, you watch how they treat people and how big a stars they were. And I always thought the star you were on the street was the guy that made you in the ring and uh, protected you in the ring and took care of you. And that was the true judge of what uh, guys are always mysteriously wondering about the Teddy Hart character or the type of person I am. I was like, listen, I put my life on the line as a as a testament, as a judgment called basically to God of like, if I'm in the wrong place at the wrong time, I'm doing the wrong shit, then uh, I'm gonna get fucking, I'm gonna get hurt doing all of this stuff that I trained years to do safely, and I was never, I was uh, able to get away with it and do it and pass this message on. Uh, this again to me is a universal message of. This is our only body we have. This is our only life that I have that I'm aware of. So uh, information I'm valuing how to maintain this spaceship that we travel all over the world with, or this fucking this galaxy, which is our world, Earth, and I get to travel all over the world. How do I keep this safe? How do I maintain it? How do I reverse some of the effects? Can I, can I clean it? Can I, take, can I fix it? Can I modify it? Can I go faster, slower? You know, and so that, that fight and that, that's... 
that to me is a universal problem is aging in general. Yes. So can we slow down the aging effect? Can I make people healthier? Is there information out there? There's so much information that's, that's shit that doesn't seem to be successful because there's a lot of people obviously that aren't able to take that information and put it into a, a into a working model. And not that there's not a lot of stuff out there that does work, but it seems to be that the amount of work that goes into being healthy is so difficult that it makes it almost impossible to do, which I, I just don't think is right. And that's another, like I say, a journey for me as a detective of what works and to try to put this into a science type of, of uh, and then get it to kids at a young age. And Rob, imagine, like I say, how old is your, how old is your kid right now? Four? Four, she'll be five in August. So you would start teaching her all these things at a young age about meditation and about stretching and maybe taking her to gymnastics or to get her eating healthier instead of taking her to McDonald's three or four times a week. You'd have, you know, so these are things that you would think are valuable because now it's your daughter's health and wellness and her future on the line. Yeah. And you'd think, fuck, I want her to do well. How do I do this? How do I ensure this happens in the future? Well, information is the key to success and getting the right information from the right source is what I'm really, that's what I'm working on more than anything right now is to see uh, the long-term effects of being from 20 to 40 right, and then from 40 to 60. Now, can I make those this next 20 years now that I have all this information because I didn't have it before and I was able to stay this healthy, what would it do for someone like me? And if it's revolutionary and it sounds like I, I say the stuff that we're looking at uh, is game-changing stuff, and if I could put it into my science experiment, my body, and then I could pass that after, and you're watching me use these things to excel and to take, like I say, a guy that should be beaten up in, in a wheelchair, crippled basically, who's not, which is a miracle in itself. But then I'm very hungry and curious, like I say, and being important about the remember the curiosity to see uh, what I can pass back on to my to my fellow human beings on the planet. Nothing to do with wrestling. Just yeah. has to do with just this is I'm going on a deep dive. I have some time. And I have the, uh, the, the uh, I think, the ability to find out what really works. And, and then from there, pass it on to a really younger, smarter group of kids that become these adults and, like I say, become these MMA fighters and wrestlers and, and uh, would hope the ambassadors of Earth and ambassadors of the, uh, the reason we're doing this and getting up and fighting for, for, our, for the fucking value of life <clears throat> and to be healthy. And again, for everybody out there, that's a battle that you each person has to kind of figure out how to conquer that themselves. But it's a reflection in the mirror. You don't want to give up on it. I'm trying to find, like I say, peace and tranquility and giving up on the wrestling. But that doesn't mean giving up on me being in shape. Right. You know, and that's that's the balance, like I say, guys. So, But we're watching playoffs. Me and Rob, were watching, uh, I was talking about I love watching sports and uh watching the evolution of basketball for me the last few years because I've been able to I know exactly where I was when the uh when the Lakers won the first time recently you know last yeah. so I kind of follow that and watch LeBron and everybody said he was you know kind of maybe he was done and he wasn't gonna be able to come back and then he had a resurgence this year and uh the amount of work that goes into these comebacks like I say I watched Henry Cejudo last night he hadn't been I think he had been gone for three years and he came back and had a fight and he didn't get knocked out or anything he didn't win but he lost a split decision and uh just the amount of work it's daunting making a comeback and doing it doing it right and the amount of work to be as good or better than you were before fuck and then to be older on top of that and that's uh again it's just it's it's fucking mind blowing 
I take my hat off now to guys like Ric Flair even more and to Shawn Michaels now for being able to come back or for Triple H too when they came back. Yep. And I'm not trying to kiss anybody's ass, but these guys had some major injuries or took a lot of time off and were able to come back and uh, and to be better or to have those type of matches. Uh, dude, Shawn's like second run was longer than his first. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, I thought it was better too, maybe. It was. I agree. He had better matches. Him and Jericho had fantastic yeah. programs. I mean, Shawn could work with anybody. Oh, he's one of the best ever. <laughs> he's always been my favorite. I mean, I, I, I'm a Brett fan too. But I mean, when it came to Brett versus Sean, there was no doubt I was a Sean guy all the way. Yeah, it was funny. Me, my, me, and Tyson Kidd always kind of were, without wanting to, to disrespect Brett. We just, I, I think we, we appealed to Sean maybe a little more, maybe because he was a little smaller, yeah, lighter. I don't know what it was, something. But I just. There was something uh, he was flamboyant. He was a showman. I mean, he was a high flyer. He he was, but everything both of them did was crisp. Like Brett was an artist. You can't ever take away what Brett did in the ring, regardless of what you feel about him outside the ring. A lot of people don't like his attitude or he's cocky or whatever, but I mean, in the ring, I mean, Sean was too. Christ. Sean was passed out on, on Vince McMahon's floor, you know, doped up and all that. But I mean, Brett, like you, like his working punch was fantastic. Oh yeah, he was. It's, I mean, they're talking about two of the greatest guys in the history of wrestling. So I mean, just it's uh, again, I don't want to live in that world. I just wish I would uh, <laughs> got that match with Sean ever and been able Man. to do stuff with Brett and being able to be molded and guided and brought up through uh, a world where they were all friends, like they were before I. Yeah. Uh, got real serious, you know, about, I was serious, obviously, but when we had the first few years of matches and training and I was wrestling with Brett and his guys and we were getting ready for a potential Jay Leno uh, show. We are going to do the Jay Leno uh, TV show or talk show at night or whatever. That's getting into a dark match or not a dark match, but in your house, I think it was, or some kind of uh, the opening show, beginning match, the kids match for, and we were, you know, it was a big deal. Brett was working on that thing and there was uh there was some some big things, like I say, over the years of uh, thinking something was going to happen and it didn't. But then remembering all the things that did happen, and and to again with people out there that you have to use those are the things that you use in your when your tanks get low and you're, you're fighting for fighting for a reason to live and to stay focused and what's motivation and why are you even fucking caring and th- those are again the the things like I say they're the most important things when you're in your when you're in your head. Uh, to, to climb outside of your head to look at yourself and then to, to find out where you want to be, you know, uh, five, six months down the road uh, and how not to, to fucking lose your mind and go crazy because it's like I said, it's a fine line. It's funny, our, our buddy uh, Pete just texted me and said hello to you. He must have he must have psychically heard that we were doing the podcast <laughs> without him getting it done. I love so. Pete. Big Pete's a good guy. Yeah, uh, we're definitely going to have him on more. Uh, and, dude, you want to talk about... Yeah, I really want to do the podcast, like I say, a little differently in the future where I can have a set. This is my house, and I got an apartment set up and yep. a studio and some people that are good at using this. So it's a nice. I was able to finally use a laptop today or to do uh, instead of using the phone. Yeah, you look good. You sound good. I mean, people have been bitching about our quality, which, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> but, uh, you know, this this is actually uh, one, one of our, our better-looking shows, which is good, but... Uh, you know, I've had pleasure of meeting guys like Pete and and Dwayne and and uh, um, oh, uh, Raul. I mean, we've had some great guys on the show, and looking forward to meeting other guys like Orlando and a lot of other your friends. And you know, JT was on here as well. He was a great guest, and um, 
I, I would like to have uh, the panels, like you said, of getting three, four, five of your friends on here and just talking about current subjects or, or you know, pop culture or, you know, stuff, you know, whatever, uh, and kind of, you know, encourage people, help people, uh, teach people, right, you know, what, what's good and what's bad. I mean, you have a lot of friends from a lot of different facets of life uh, yeah. that have just a wealth of information uh, and, and can teach people how to navigate through all the, the, the crap that's in this world. Um, but, uh, you know, you mentioned NBA playoffs. Uh, I'm a big Celtics fan. I'm a big, I'm a Boston sports fan originally from Connecticut. And, uh, as we're recording this, the Celtics lost today by, by oh, one in, in overtime. But, uh, you know, I was never a LeBron fan. I'm, I'm an old school Jordan fan. So when anybody tries you know, to compare Jordan to LeBron, to me, there's still no comparison at all. I mean, I still think Michael Jordan's the greatest ever played a game. Um, but, but it's all subjective, but I got to give LeBron his due, uh, regardless of how I feel about him. Um, he is one of the greatest of all time. He's obviously the all time leading scorer. Uh, I don't know how old, what's he, 39, 40, somewhere around there. I think 39, I think maybe uh, 38, 39. And, and like you said, he made a huge comeback and the Lakers are up two to one over, over golden state right now. So, I mean, it's just, the guy just has that drive and the best in the world always have that extra edge. They always have something that separates them from others because they're all professionals, but the cream always rises to the top. The greatest athletes, the greatest professionals in the world always have something different than everybody else, and that's just a competitive edge. They want to be the best, and no matter what they do, they still strive to get better and better and better. Look at Tom Brady, seven rings. The guy gets pissed off when he throws an interception in, in practice. I mean, like, he does not want to lose. Well, I, I want those kind of guys on my team. I want those guys that, that are ultra competitive and don't want to get pissed off or, and, and get pissed off when they do bad. Where were you on that spectrum? Were you always kind of striving to get better? Did you ever feel like watching some of your stuff back? Like, man, I, like, I really could have done that better. And you, you ever, do you ever, um, do you have that edge is what I'm trying to say is you want to be the very, very best. I did uh, for years. I think that's what separated me from so many other guys is also the prep of, uh, I did it at a young age, all those moves. I've been doing those moves. I think I saw, I, I set the bar so high at such a young age that it was, I almost felt bad for myself years later. Like what more could I really do uh, safely? There's not a lot left. There was, I did almost every single move in the world or, or, or was one of my friends doing it if it wasn't me. So we had to split the moves that we could do between me and Jack, basically. But between the yeah. two of us, we did every single major move you could do. I think every move that could ever be done, basically, has been done by us. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if he'll ever be able to do more than that, the human body. I think we've reached the level of like a double backflip, so as much as you could do, I think, both three stories jumping off the con- from the roof balconies to the c- concrete floor without serious crash pads and different sets and, you know, uh, <clears throat> tricks to be able to make that not really an illusion. You know, it's an illusion if you do if you're tricking it out. But if you're just doing straight cage to concrete, there's no fucking nothing you can hide. That's just up to basically God and again the guy catching down below and True. like I say, find a way of doing that over and over and over and over again. And that's the magic again. I talk about with uh, what made us so unique was obviously doing it in the ring safe and clean, but then taking it to the next level and the next level to to a reach obviously a certain level where it's like okay, that's about as much it can be humanly possible and uh to again with 
someone like Owen Hart falling from the roof of a building, uh, you understand there's, like I say, obviously there's only so high you can go. And, yeah. uh, yeah. you know, that's, that's, uh, with, say with hardcore matches, there's only so much you can do. And those guys are fucking killing themselves. And it's, it's really fucking crazy watching that stuff to me. Uh, dude, Masada lit himself on fire about a, three, four weeks ago. Really? He burned bad. Yeah. He had a torch, uh, at XPW show and, uh, had a bottle, which I'm assuming probably had kerosene or gasoline in it. Uh, and they were outdoors and there was just a little bit of a breeze. And when he blew it, it was too close to his face and he caught his hair on fire and, Still, still wrestled the entire match like with third degree burns, oh, he's whatever. A oh, he's a badass, yeah. But yeah, uh, that that's shit happens, especially when you play with fire. I mean, you know, uh, yeah. obviously. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, look, mistakes happen. Even these guys are the best in the world. Uh, but you know, like we see with AEW, like like you said, putting an emphasis back on high flying stuff. You know, the younger guys, the cruiserweights, the luchadors. Um, there's only so much that you can do uh, before somebody gets hurt. And a lot of these guys try just death-defying spots. But, I mean, where do you go from there? Like, first match, they're doing flips and flops and breaking tables. Like, wh- where, where do you go from there? Eventually, someone's going to get killed. I mean, we've seen people jump off balconies and, and ECW and other indie places, and it's like... People, you know, scaffold matches, you know. It's, it's in ratings. It's, it's at this stage, it's one of those. And, again, people, it's hard to tell guys what's too much. I was never wanting to hear that it was too much. Or <laughs> right, right. But, I mean, you were so fortunate because we've seen plenty of people get horribly injured doing stuff like that. You know, fall off the scaffolds and oh, yeah. missing tables and, and stuff, you know, hitting concrete and all that from 30 feet up. Um, thank God, you know, you were protected over the years, but... At what point is too much too much? Especially nowadays with these young kids that are fearless. I mean, they're like you, but but now the bar's already been set and they're trying to raise it. Well, how how can you? Yeah, it's it, it's it, that's going to be another thing. I think that and the fans are desensitized to it. They're just they're they're expecting it, and a lot of people had to do. You know, they had a lot to do with the attitude era and stuff they did back then. It's like unprotected chair shots and all that. It's just uh, you know, fans are expecting blood and guts and all that and. Since you can't do that now, um, they I mean, want to be. I'm only surprised that AEW is able to get away with doing so much more than WWE is, because it's the different networks, I guess. Because WWE is connected to fought with Disney, I guess, and whatever behind the scenes. I don't know what the the rating system is or what they're pushing towards kids. But I honestly don't even know if TNT is paying attention to all the blood and stuff that they're doing. But I mean, I know Vince outlawed blood years ago. Yeah. I mean, even back when when Brett and <laughs> Brett and Roddy Piper at WrestleMania eight. Um, he didn't want them to, to blade, and they did, uh, and they got super heat for it. But I mean, you know, Vince has never been a fan of that. But at, at one point, when his company was, you know, going to go under, he had to go. <laughs> he had to go that extra mile, and he never wanted to do the attitude area. He had to. Um, but we've seen since that he doesn't want to even get anywhere near blood. I mean, Finn Balor got cut up in a WrestleMania against Edge, and they stopped the match for ten minutes just to freaking, you know, staple his freaking head up like it's. That takes everything out of the match. That just completely blows your suspension of disbelief, and it's a hell in a cell match. I mean, you're going to stop a hell in a cell match. It's supposed to be this big demonic structure to staple some guy's head shut because he got busted open hard way. Uh, I wasn't a big. I wasn't. I wasn't a fan of that. Yeah, that he edged through a ladder at him, and he he took a hard one in the face and busted his head open hard way, and uh, they stopped. They stopped the match and. Staple his freaking head shut, you know. Then 
went back on and wrestled, but you know. Yeah, that's kind of like see like taking the steam out of the match for sure. That's modern WWE, unfortunately. Uh, it is what it is. You know, when you get sponsors involved and you don't want to lose them, there's a lot of money. There's a lot of money in it. And, you know, they want to go family friendly or whatever, which is fine. I mean, you got to hook the new kids for the next generation. That's what happened when I was a kid, you know, with Hulk Hogan and all that. Eat your prayers, say your vitamins, you know, eat your vitamins, say your prayers. They have to hook the small kids. They hooked it, you know, John Cena hooked the whole generation of kids too. Mm-hmm. Um, the, what do you do now? I mean, there's no real white meat baby faces anymore. No. Everyone's a tweener. Everybody wants to be a cool heel. You know what I mean? There's not much character development in wrestling anymore. Is that something you would ever want to work on more if you ever got back? It's just character development. Oh, it was, I thought it could be a great agent. Again, maybe down the road, there would be some change or the people look at some of the ideas I had, or again, if I could put them into, into action uh, with my own personal life, just outside the ring and to make some of these things come true and work on, like say they gave me a ball of shit, basically left me with that to turn into something. <laughs> you could though. I mean, you have a great mind for the, for the business. If I can turn that into something, like I say, then we'll see where I'm at in a year from now. That's kind of where this podcast is just as a monitoring device for me to, yeah. to be accountable and to get up and, uh, have something at least once a week that I got to do to say hi to my fans and friends out there and to let them know, obviously, uh, I love them dearly and that this is a struggle for me to stay motivated and to fight for a reason to live in the wrestling world still at all. I said, just pack my shit and say, fuck it, this was something that didn't work out and as a negative thing, but sort of, that's not uh, that's not what I stood for. But it, it, I want to be or, or just to, to preach the message about... Uh, the, the hero or the character that never quit. And I, this is something that I've had happen to me. And it's a terrible thing to be, yep. to be lied about and to be cheated out of uh, 20 years of your life or 25 years of your life and goal and dreams and mission. And to, to feel like this is after everything's been said and done, I'm ready to move on with my life. And now I've been trapped in this reality. That was never, never something that I even did. And that fighting that battle now is my, is the new mission I have. And, but I mean, as we've seen, like, there's people that still care about you, people that still love you and are still fans of yours. And, you know, regardless, after all these years, you can't ever say that the last 25 years has been a bust because you obviously made positive impacts on a lot of people, you know, and changed a lot of people's lives. And through this podcast and, and the documentary and everything else that you're doing, I hope, you know, we can reach more and more people and, and give them positivity when, when things are going bad or people are down or they think they're in a bad spot and they can't get out. I mean, they can use you and, and your friends and other people as inspiration to say that no matter what happens to you, just, just keep getting up, you know, just keep, keep pulling up your bootstraps. And every day you wake up is, a, is another day to, to, to have an opportunity to make a positive impact on, on society, you know, or people. Um, and that yeah. you, know, you need to use every day as a, as a, as a blessing, honestly. Well, I, I want to just leave the podcast as that this is an absolute fucking terrible fucking crazy world right now that we're living in. And at the same time, there's access to the best of the best of the best, the best food, the best technology, the best resorts, the best places. So fine line, find a balance and try not to focus on the negative because I know that there's a bunch of people right now that died for absolutely fucking nothing that were shot by some fucking nut that went out and shot the, and those people if their death doesn't motivate us to feel just lucky that we're breathing and yeah. we're walking around and enjoy your meal today and feel blessed that, that we're safe, that that happened and that that didn't happen to us. And if that, that's fine. It's like I say, there's things like that every day that I can look at that I can go, Holy shit. Thank God that didn't happen to me. And I use that as a little fuel to get through my day. And that's what I'm going to say to you guys is like I say, 
try to find the the high road, try not to emphasize on negativity, try not to have that consume your mind where you're just on the reset and what happened to you caused trauma in your life, whatever it was. And then you just have that same thing. It keeps spinning in your head and you keep talking about it, inventing it to people. You have to get over what's happened in the past. It's happened and you're aware of it and it makes you smarter not to have it happen again in the future, but to consume yourself with too much of that, it'll eat you up and it'll take away your present. It'll take away your present mindset, which is going to set you up for a future to win. And that's to me the, the advice I learned from being stuck in solitary confinement to being in jail, to having to look in the mirror and it wasn't my fault. And why did I get fucked God? And why, you know, and those are questions that are going to be answered years later. If you get up and fucking do something with your new, your newfound freedom and life. And if you made it past all the shit you went through, well, now you got a clean slate and fucking make it work and find ways to be successful. And I call out every fucking human being on the planet, find ways to be successful and to be accountable and to be motivational to others around you that you can give a little something to somebody else. And that you'd be surprised what that does a little kindness for someone, a fucking meal or, a, you know, a, a open door. Like I meet a lot of strangers in my life and I swear to God, I've gone out of my way to be nice to them. And I've seen that come back to me now 10 times where I've been stuck and fucked and lost and fucking in limbo. And somehow some stranger will come and pay it forward to me. And I think those are the years, like, like I say, Rob, you're a walking, talking blessing, walking, talking depiction of what I'm talking about. A guy that got to know me through fact and fiction, no, through fucking time served. Yeah, bunch of bullshit. I said fact is true, fiction's not. If it's, I think that's the way I said. It. Through yeah. facts, not fiction. I should say. I apologize. Through uh, and through getting to know someone through time spent and time served. Just I want everybody to feel blessed that we are uh, that we're that we're right now alive and aware and conscious. And that's to me the most important things. Uh, you guys, everybody out there in an the audience, has to take the simplest fucking things and look at those things as the things to be happy about. Absolutely right, and I mean the good thing about you being back in in Florida is you know you're you're there you know your buddy Pete is there and you know you're close to family you know your your aunt Ellie is is close by so uh, it, it's good for you to be back around you know your people so to speak because uh, I know Texas was tough for you for a long time but uh, you know I'm glad you're in a in a, in a better place uh, mentally uh, but in a better place in Florida too so. Um, and you guys have a lot you're going to be working on, you know, you're still doing the documentary with, with JT and I know you have, like you mentioned your clothing line and you also want to get together and, and, and have some kind of a, uh, of a, you know, training facility. Are you planning to do that in, in Florida or was that a, a, a Canada thing? Uh, well, we've got the school in Canada that's already up and going and that's successful. That's running right now. It looks great. And we Good. want to do something here. I kind of want to do like a, a club type of environment where guys can just go film and do customs and uh, they can, whatever they feel they want to do in a facility that allows them to have mirrors and projectors and a place to shower and to change and to do makeup and hair and practice promos and set up podcast rooms and stuff like that. It's more of like a, you know, a few different green screens I'm thinking will be in the room, a few rings that we can use for, uh, for filming and then a place for people to film content a lot of content house basically for people that are out making money on that on that stuff with uh, only fans and not the sexual part of it so much <laughs> more. right uh, yeah but for, for people that are out there uh there's a few other sites that i've heard about that are wrestling sites that i can that i'm gonna start trying to get more stuff out there for fans just to see and the stuff they, they can pay to be to get content and see if there's a market for that i think there is i mean it, it's yeah, much content as yeah. much yeah. content as you have now dude i really think there's still there's still a market for things that, that, you know, 
you couldn't normally get. And again, with vlogs and YouTube and even this podcast, people love the behind the scenes stuff too. So, you know, starting Patreons and stuff like that and being able to tell stories that you wouldn't normally hear behind a paywall. There's still a big market for that. I mean, as much as there is out there, you know, people still want to hear, you know, the gossip, you know, the the stories, the road stories and all that. So, you know, that's something that we'd like to do as well down the line is, you know, whenever we can get all this stuff worked out. And uh, I know you're a super ultra busy guy. It's been, (laughs) it's been two weeks since we got together to do so. Uh, But both of us are extremely busy. Thanks. Thanks to patience to other viewers out there too. Like so just working the King so guys. My my whole life is just getting back on track. I never knew if I was going to get through probation. Honestly, that six yeah. years was a fucking nightmare. Yeah, uh, but a, a real learning experience. It made me a much more disciplined person. It's just again, like I say, I'm living in three different countries. Uh, you know, I'm in Mexico, and I have some friends in business and property down there that you know I could go back and try to live down there and make a career and get back into wrestling. But that would lead me. Um, you know, completely out of the States and Canada forever, probably, because I just, there's no reason to go back if I'm wrestling full-time or trying to get that. Yeah. I didn't think that's the smart thing for me to go pretend to be a wrestler right now. I need to get my life on track so I can be, the reason I was a great wrestler for all those years was because I had my life, the real life that I had was taken care of. I had all my yeah. shit together so I could take huge chances and take do those moves and I had a fucking clear conscience and I wasn't worried about certain things and if I did get hurt, it wouldn't be the end of my fucking income stream and now I have a different, I love of responsibilities and a different reality to True. worry about now and a different age group and uh, like I say time and time and energy and reward for what I'm doing I want to be rewarded and I've never been rewarded as a professional wrestler for pay for any of it so I want to try to set up like I say ways of income streams through wrestling not even having to get in the ring so much as but just what what wrestling did for me in the past if it's created any uh, potential, like I say, and that that's the documentary revenue stream that might come into this so hopefully that's what we can use to to fuel this next uh, five years. Like again, I can get back to some serious training and to show fans. This is what, uh, this is what I've learned now from all my experimenting. You know, people love redemption stories. Uh, they love underdogs. Uh, we've seen it with Jake, the snake, you know, the resurrection of, of Jake, the snake was a big deal with him and DDP and, you know, Scott Hall, rest in peace, you know, before he died was, was back on the right track. People want to see people succeed. Uh, and you're in that category. I mean, through everything you've been through, through all the chances you've had uh, and chances you've lost, whether it be your own fault or somebody else, people still want to see you succeed. Uh, I mean, a lot of people want to see you fail, but most people want to see you succeed, and people love a good comeback story, and that's that's what we're trying to tell here. Well, I appreciate that, guys. Like I say, um, I'll get into things that have happened, like I say, through more and more of these podcasts. Of uh, I really don't believe, and I don't mean to contradict you, I really don't believe I've ever had a serious chance of being a professional wrestler ever since I was 18 or 19 years old. There's never been, I was never going to go work for Impact and have not have it be super fucked up. The one or two times I did get opportunities, the, uh, the business for me was already such a political nightmare because I'm not from the States. I'm living in Canada, getting sure. a booking from Canada at that stage. It's such an extra fucking 500 bucks to a thousand bucks headache for any promoter that's that doesn't make a lot of money that wants to that i was always it was very very difficult and what happened with brett and vince and the hearts and the mcmahon family like i say that i thought since i was 18 years old that really in my my mind killed any serious i that i was i would have wrestled a completely different style of been a different person right would have had to be but i didn't have that responsibility and i didn't have that that opportunity, I don't think it was ever. And I don't mean when people say you're given chances. Yes, I was given opportunities if I wanted to stay in Mexico and make very little money for a lot of years of my life and just 
do whatever. Uh, I don't think even if I'd been a huge, huge star in Mexico, they would have all of a sudden brought me down to WWE and let me work like an Alberto Del Rio type of character that was a Mexican star since I, and it made it in AAA and then to an extent where some of the things they say that I don't think there's ever a ring of honor chance where maybe there was, maybe that would have been one of the chances. Like I say, that would, I'll, I'll take that one. So that was one of the chances I blew, but with MLWs, like the, that came to me years and years and years later when I was like yeah. 37 years old or something, like all of a sudden now there's a small startup group that I wrestled for when I was a kid that's opening up again. I, I don't think there was ever a time, especially with the Teddy Hart character. I try not to find, I try not to be frustrated. Right. I've walked the point over. What did I get away with? Why did I get away with doing all of this? Stuff? What was the point of it? I mean, again, this is the expansion of what the human body and you know, what the human mind is capable of doing and the suffering that I've been through that I can still stay here and tell you with a smile on my face that I'm still happy to be here and that I still think I could be a huge motivational speaker for kids and for people that are coming up that want to figure out the way of making their dreams come true because I know how to make your dreams come true. I know the work that goes into it. I was not able to do it myself, but I taught a lot of people and I gave people information and I thought the people that I bet on and I can then you can see where I bet on a lot of these different people over the years yep. uh, that they were huge successes and I knew these guys were going to be successes it's just like I say practicing what you preach is a lot harder than what people give you what people understand you know so but you uh, you have a wonderful night Rob I love you so much and I appreciate it. like I say I really want to talk to uh, Jasmine so if you see Jasmine tell Jasmine thanks for getting me doing the podcast I know it's like I say, it doesn't seem like a big deal right now, but I think uh, in the future, you know, five, 10 years down the road, uh, this world that we're living in, like I say, needs to change. And things, I pray to God that we get smarter and that it, for whatever this is worth, that if this takes a little uh, anger out of someone's fucking day or takes a little negative steam out of their life because you've got a guy like me saying, Find a way to smile and appreciate your friends, guys, and your family. Appreciate the smallest little things like a hot shower and running water and internet and appreciate, you know, like I say, because these things are, if they're gone and we fucking lose, you guys will watch a whole other world of fucking chaos. We, we have no idea all of a sudden about the uncomfortabilities that are not that far away if we fucking lose control of what we are complaining about right now as a world that we don't think is worth fucking saving or worth fighting for. This is a world worth fighting for, for worth saving. This is all we fucking got. And you really need to get hit the alarms on your fucking brains and try to be kinder to everybody out there. And that makes that a universally fucking code just to be hugs and kisses for everybody type of shit, dude. Be kind and be gracious that we're on the fucking planet and that we're able to maybe save this fucking thing. And with the next five to 15 years of technology, we can restart everything and have everything in a good way. We can be fucking back on top and get this planet working, you know, and, and make things make things matter again. Good guys don't always have to finish last. And there is comebacks, and it's not a comeback if it's the Earth coming back. Guys that talk about the Earth saving this fucking world as a role model, I'm here not about the wrestling anymore. Hulk Hogan, you need to. We're, I'm here, Ric Flair, all these guys. I'm talking about getting these guys onto a where I can have that talk to them about the planetary awareness of this is what your message was, and now you're fighting for Ric Flair's pushing marijuana now. Yeah, all. all those years, imagine yeah. Ric Flair. All those years, if he wasn't drinking alcohol, all those years he would have been allowed to smoke weed. Yeah, All those, you know, fuck, I would have loved Imagine that. Same with Mike Tyson. We're now, who are those guys going to be in the future? Five years down the road, ten years down the road, now you got all these guys that are the marijuana guys that are smarter than we weren't doing all the hard work. They weren't offered, and they weren't aware, they weren't given it being done because they had these guys that told you not to do it before, so. They would have saved their careers and their lives. You know, too many boys, too many of the boys died because of painkillers and, and all that. Maybe yeah. that's another one of the things, a testament to my uh, my health and wellness was the marijuana, uh, you know, the impact I used marijuana for, what it was used for for me was uh, it helped me a lot. It healed my body and uh, 
gave me creativity and uh, kept me in a certain type of state and frame of mind that I was allowed to to believe in the impossible. And that's what, again, I guess what God is, is that you can't see it. And that's what a dream is, is you can't see, but you got to do the work and be focused and make sure that when you start building that dream, you can actually make it come into a reality and then keep that dream happening every day. Nothing's worse than get into a dream, make it happen and lose it. Mm-hmm. And I'd eat that shit sandwich a fucking few times. and I don't want to have it happen again. So neither do I brother. So hopefully we'll get you back on the right track, but nothing but love for you, Teddy. Uh, I'm glad we had a, a, a good talk tonight and a good show. And uh, we'll uh, we'll see you guys. God bless you guys. Hopefully, everybody, like I say, will uh, try to be more consistent with this and just <laughs> keep your head up, guys. Everybody out there, we're all in the same fight right now, just to stay happy and just to feel like we have a purpose. That wraps it up for another edition of Rebuilding the Foundation with Teddy Hart. Thanks, guys, for listening and watching, and all your support. We'll see you on the next show. Take care. Thanks, guys. Love you. For listening to Rebuilding the Foundation with Teddy Hart. To keep up with the latest happenings with Teddy, follow him on Instagram at official Teddy Hart. You can also email us at Rebuilding the Foundation Podcast at gmail.com. Join us next time for Rebuilding the Foundation with Teddy Hart, right here on the Red Rob Radio Network. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.